Hi, welcome to the ninth episode of season three of our podcast. I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam. Hi, guys. Hey, everybody. Hi. So uh, we're calling this season the Marketing Casebook um, because, you know, we find that there's so many real-life things that are happening out there. And, you know, some are, are incredibly great and some things are incredibly big failures. And we thought, how can we take and apply lessons back in some way so that, um, you know, our, our clients, you people trying to figure this out, this might give you at least a little bit of a, an easier way to, to apply it back to your real life. So, Sean, what is uh, our episode called today? Today's episode is episode nine, the case of the dubious management ad. Oh, um, okay, Tom, you want to enlighten us? Yes, the dubious management fad that Sean is talking about is called Net Promoter Score, or NPS, which has been around for a couple of decades. First introduced by the Bain consultant Frederick Reichald, who studied loads of customer satisfaction surveys and came to the conclusion in his analysis that only one question really mattered, the Net Promoter Score question which is how likely are you to recommend this company to a friend or a colleague? The deeper analysis of that question was that it is uh, meant to be presented on a 10-point scale. And the only numbers that really matter are 9 and 10. Because if somebody rates you a 9 or 10, what Reichelt and his group found was that meant that they're likely to continue doing business with you. Anything less than a 9 uh, you're, you're, you're not assured of doing business with that company in the future and the lower the number, of course, the worse it is for you. Now, the reason we're bringing up now, even though it's a couple of decades old and companies have been using this metric for a long time, is that the Wall Street Journal reports that there's a number of really big companies, notably Best Buy, American Express, Target, Intuit, Delta Airlines, and United Health who are not only using net promoter score, but actually reporting the metric and their gains and supposedly losses in that metric to their investment community on the quarterly uh, report calls that they do. And the Wall Street Journal went on to really not paint a super glowing picture of net promoter score and interview a lot of people who really didn't like it, as well as some of the people from these companies that obviously do like it. So Wall Street Journal called it a dubious management fad. And the question is, is it really? It's probably the most famous marketing metric we've, we've, we've had in the last couple of decades. Yeah, I want to add to, to what you were describing. I, I think part of the net promoter score is the detractor part of it which, you know, you can give somebody less than a nine, but it's pretty, pretty telling if you give a company, I mean, we can all think of our favorite uh, cable company or phone company that, um, you know, we get done and they ask us, how likely are you to recommend this to a friend or colleague? And if we give them a zero through six, you know, that pretty much is, you know, we really don't like you at all. And the detractors, as we all know, we're likely to go tell other people that we don't like their service. So that's a very powerful um, indicator. 
that uh, the company is having some problems. And if the company doesn't really pay attention to that, they could have problems that do associate with growth and with their their um, contribution margins. So I I actually, I, I'm a big fan of it and I think um, it can be used right or wrong, but uh, I thought that, you know, detractors personally is is a really key part of that too. I think it's interesting that we call this episode the case of the, the dubious management fad because that, that opens up a whole range of possibilities, doesn't it? There should be a top 10 of dubious management fads. I'm not sure this one should be the trophy holder. I think it's, you know, what I think it's, it's I guess you can do a balance sheet and say what's good and what's bad about this. I think one of the good things is it's simple to implement. It's relatively simple to understand. And it's what Fred Reichelt called in his book that, that supported this, um, this whole idea, the ultimate question. You know, rather than having a raft of metrics and trying to establish trends and correlations, it was just one question. So the simplicity, I think, really works and probably goes up quite a long way to explain how, how widely it was picked up and used, right? It's not that hard to implement. I think on the downside, though, the, the, from my experience of using it in different businesses, is it's, um, it's, it's pretty easy to game the system, you know, especially if the metric becomes a reported metric. If you're reporting to your investors and the, the risk, therefore, is if they take that metric seriously, it is going to affect your stock price, right? Otherwise, why report it? And with them stakes, those stakes so high, the temptation is, and I'm not suggesting, can I just make clear, if any lawyers are listening, I'm not suggesting any of the companies you mentioned, Tom, would be doing this. I'm speaking very much in a general sense. There has to be a temptation to gain the system somewhat. And that that then starts to eat away at the integrity of the metric. That's that's one of my concerns with it. It's, it's how it's used. Well, yeah. I should probably say no more. <laughs> hey, but Sean, you know, you can game. You can game any metric. I mean, hi, the 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 car dealership. At least here in the United States, Sean. I don't know what it's like there in the UK, but in the car dealerships here, um, what they allow the salesperson to say to you at the end of a successful transaction is, "I'm going to, you know, we're going to send you a survey in a couple of weeks," and. Uh, if you have any reason not to give me all tens, could you please just exactly. tell me right now? Which completely and totally voids the feedback, a hundred percent, right? And and it's it's terrible. And 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 but then you have to ask yourself if this dealership is really serious about getting the true feedback, how? Hard is it going to be to randomly call people occasionally and say, "Hey, did somebody ask you to do this?" You know, I mean, there's there's ways to control for this, and I I love NPS for many of the reasons that both of you cited, okay, and and many more that I can talk about later. But I I I love it, and I think that uh, that that if you allow it to be gamed that way shame on you as a company letting any metric be gamed doesn't it depend what you're doing though i mean i i this is slightly similar i i went to china once and i was at the immigration and i, I kind of felt a bit nervous like i tend to i don't know why i've got this guilty conscience whenever somebody in authority is is going to make a decision around me whether it's a, a cop who stopped me on the side of the road or it's the border whoever it is i get this this impending sense of guilt it's i i i 
that's a whole different story. We could get on the couch for that one. But I'm standing there feeling nervous, right? The guy is looking at my passport and looking at me and looking down at my passport. And then he sort of, his eyes go to this button that's on the desk. And it's basically the MPS score. It's, it's a traffic light. It's, it's a green with a big smiley face, an amber with a sort of neutral face, and a red with a, with a frowny face. And you're supposed to hit one of these to rate his border guarding. Now, this is before I've got in the country. Yeah. So what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So that, that is terrible design. I'm going to say, actually, actually, mate, I think you're doing a pretty poor job. Let me just hit the red right. button. Now what's going to happen? That, that's no, not, not, that's not, I mean, don't, don't hate the metric. <laughs> hate the hate. You know, the design is, the design is terrible. And so is the design terrible when somebody says, if you're going to give me anything less than a 10, tell me now while they're staring you in the face, okay? He had a pretty good MPS score, though, I have to yeah, say. This guy probably was perfect, right? Probably, probably, <laughs> probably perfect. Yeah, I want to bring it back to B2B, too. Um, a lot of times our clients go and survey, you know, year after year. And the way that that you can game it in that situation is you just go to your very best customers <laughs> and yes. ones that you know that have had the best experience. So to, to, to flip that, to say, if you really do want to have a metric that is a great windshield um, uh, indicator that you can start to, to help your organization know if you're off track or not is to include people that um, may not love you and may be upset with you, but you know, get the, get the full array of what your clients represent. And then having a representative sample, if you will, then you can start to hopefully get a better read on it. And, and again, the companies that get low scores typically say this more than others is it's not the number, it's how you move the number in the next, you know, session. (laughs) So, so if you get a, you know, if you get a three and you move it up to a, a, well, a 16 is about an average for a B2B company. If you can move it up, that's great. Um, companies that are in the 50 to 60 to 80 range, those are ones that are actually really good at growth. And that's where you see the Amazons and the USAA. So, um, so, so it is kind of funny. You can game it, but, you know, really looking at what number you have and where it's moving and if you keep that sample right. rep, then at least you're well, using it the right way. Okay. Well, let me carry on being the contrarian. Let me just throw a couple of other uh, viewpoints across to kick around. And and and, and one of them is, is is this, that there's a sort of paradox, because if the company you're working for uses NPS as a meaningful measure, and by that I mean it affects promotion, bonuses, pay raises, which is what Enterprise did back in the day. They, they, they said that if you didn't hit a certain score with these ultimately – um, totally satisfied customers, you, you didn't get promoted. They, they went really heavy on this. But once you introduce the importance, it ceases to become a, a learning tool, like truly give me insight. I want to see everything, warts and all. I want to know how I'm doing versus I've got to make this metric look good because I've got an incentive to make it look good. So it's not just that it can be gamed. It's this like if it's not important, people won't bother with it. If it is important, then the incentive to interfere with the accuracy of the metric becomes overwhelming. But that's my whole point, Sean. That is my whole point is that, again, is a function of the design of the system. It, I, I think it would be easy enough as a, of an organi- for an organization that, that, that really wants to focus on this metric to put in checks and balances to, you know, randomly 
look at cases to find out if it's being gamed or not. And, and, and that's what I don't see. You know, I don't see enough of, of those checks and balances in place. And that's, that's what I think is giving Net Promoter Score a bad name. Now, to, to Mary's point, you know, maybe making it public, maybe the problem with making it, it, it public um, takes people's focus away from really what this thing should be. It is an, another reason that I like it. It is one of those rare birds in marketing called an, a, a leading metric. It is one way to see which way the wind is starting to blow in terms of your customer relationships, maybe ahead of when it actually impacts your bottom line and gives you an opportunity to kind of course correct. I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't know. Do you guys know of any better metrics for that? Well, I do think that... I, th- I think that there's an objective of the NPS, and then there's an objective beyond that. The first objective is, hey, guys, how are we doing? And that is a, as you said, it, you know, which way is the wind blowing? How are we really doing overall with, with the group of people we're trying to drum up business with? Um, but what it doesn't do is give you the, the, the whys behind it. So, you know, I, I, I obviously I'm a fan of the ability to win score. I think that as a second objective is what's going on underneath this story, you can get into it very quickly if you use something like the ability to win where you look at customer needs and you have people rate at a deeper level some of the elements then of what's important. We know that the pieces of ability to win have um, the drivers for that customer group and it should correlate and tell even more of that story so we know where we're falling short and what we need to fix and where we need to you know, as Sean, even as you said, where we need to incent possibly to, to right. really move it forward. Right. So those two together that, work. I think that's a really important point is because when this was sold, it was back in 2003 that it hit Harvard Business Review and became a book in uh, 2005, 2006. But the article in the Harvard Business Review was called The One Number You Need to Grow. And the book subject became the ultimate question. And of course, the fact is there are subsequent follow-up questions. Because it's not sufficient to say, you know, to go into your boss and say, got the NPS scores, boss, looks like our customers think we suck. And then your boss says, why? You say, have no clue. They just do. There's got to be that follow-up question, which is what you're saying, Mary, right? You've got to have a way of saying, you've given us this score. Now we need to understand why. Because you can't fix if you don't know what the actual lever to pull is. But guys, do you know of anybody who's really seriously using this score that isn't following up? I mean, everybody I know is. Uh, uh, one of my clients, uh, uh, I guess about 10 years ago, was using it. They were a, uh, a, um, a, a hairstyling salon for children. It's now owned by the giant Regis uh, organization. But it was hairstyling um, salons designed specifically for children, you know, like a little playground in the waiting area and all kinds of fun stuff to make getting your hair cut, you know, uh, fun. And they used NPS and they were getting some low scores. And then they, they started looking at it and they realized as they looked at it at almost like the salon level, they noticed that the NPS score was higher for the real um, – experienced haircutters and lower for 
the new haircutters. And where that was happening, their salons weren't growing. So they asked another question, you know, kind of like our, why is that important question from the benefits ladder? And they found out that what happens is if you have an experienced stylist in the salon, they, of course, have developed a, a, a following and their book is full. So guess who is getting all the new people? All the new customers were the new haircutters. And these people were less experienced. There was less satisfactory experiences and these salons weren't growing. So what did they do? They decided that they needed to make sure that there was more of a, a mix of the new customers across uh, experienced stylists as well as just new stylists so that they could grow they continue to grow the salon and have a good experience for new customers who would then come back. So I guess my point is, who uses this thing without kind of following up on it? I have never seen anybody not do that. So why did they, Tom, because I know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of the red team on this call. I don't intend to be. I actually think it's quite a good metric, but I like to, uh, I like to spark a little debate every now and then. But what, what, did, what did the Wall Street Journal say? They, they're the ones that called it dubious. Yeah, I what, think what was there? The Wall, the Wall Street Journal kind of actually cited uh, a lot of things that we're talking about because your mind goes simply to, all right, first of all, is that one question enough to really under, can, can you really hang your hat on that one metric and that one metric only. And they got a lot of experts to weigh in and said, no, no, you need more. And you, you, you do. Even they, they even drug up Frederick Reichelt and asked him uh, you know, what he thought. And he said, yeah, you, you, you probably need other metrics or at least some good follow-up behind uh, the NPS. You know, and so I think that that primarily it was that that piece of it. Does this is this metric really as powerful as it's cracked up to be? And then, of course, the second part is, is it too easily gained? You know, can people can people kind of mess with it, which we've been talking about? And and I just that that one kind of makes me mad a little bit because I think it's 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 the fault of the company to not have processes in place to make sure that it doesn't get gained. I noticed your passion for that, to be honest. Yeah, was, I know. Was, I don't know why I agree about it. I don't know why. <laughs> little, yeah, what's that? Here's, here's another question then. Because I got this a lot. when we, we had to implement it across all sorts of European countries. Um, and some of the feedback we got was um, no one in this culture, this country, whatever it was, gives a 9 or a 10. You know, we're so modest with our praise that if we give you an 8 out of 10, that in our world means you're doing fantastic but in mps world that means you're a passively satisfied and your, your vote doesn't count yeah how do you do you come across that or how do you address that or do you think that's a real criticism well, or should it be yeah. modified I, mary yeah, yes the bases mary yeah. <laughs> yeah no it is true it is true there's cultural differences and you know as we've said before women <laughs> lie more than men <laughs> um in passionate cultures they're they're all three times Sorry, Mary, what was, i'm just making a note of that was that women lie more than men yes, was that the yes there's facts okay, about that, that yeah well we just over it really isn't lying it's just overstating um, um, um neither then, you or nor i could have said that sean <laughs> i just that's what i was thinking is like whoa okay that's that's on the record yeah yeah and then the passionate cultures they're three times as likely to say something that they, they love than what they really do. So you have to adjust. And that's really when you're doing new product forecasts um, and you're trying to, to, you know, 
to bring it back to sales numbers. In this case, I think that it's best to just use it as a guideline. If you're constantly seeing that your European across the board is you're getting sevens and eights, um, then you go out and you do your ability to win. You're able to say, okay, they're they're naturally going to be a little bit less inclined to give the higher scores. But are we making sure that there's no gaps, number one? And number two, are we moving it forward? You know, there are things even Europeans can be passionate about, guys. <laughs> and, and there are Football times. would be one of them. Football, food, Brexit food is another. and wine. <laughs> so there Especially is a France and Italy. Yes. That's why yes. I go there. So you might want to, and actually the Asian cultures are even more likely to give lower scores than the Europeans. Um, just, just they're, they're, they, they, you roll their numbers up typically. So anyway, it is right to think about the cultural differences and, and start to look at the patterns over time and go deeper and make sure that you're not missing something. Because I, I went through a, I mean, I was probably kidding myself, but one of my arguments against that making it culturally specific was, look, if, you, if you're in a culture where people don't get very passionate about recommending a product or service that aren't likely to extol the virtues of your product to family members and to friends, then that would, that, that's what this tool is supposed to measure, right? So you could have satisfied customers, but if the key element of MPS is is the because that's what the question asks are you likely to recommend and if the question if people aren't likely to recommend then maybe the rather than modify it maybe it's just not such a good metric in certain cultures maybe it's a metric that that needs to be as you said mary a trend metric rather than an absolute one or or, or buddied up with some other metrics to give a more complete more complete picture it sounds like we have some really good lessons here. Um, I, I love this one, Tom. Thank you for bringing it up as you as you found the article. And um, I just are there any closing thoughts before we close out? I, I, go on, Tom. You breathe. You breathe in before me. I think that gives you the the baton. <laughs> I would just say if you're going to use it, just just work a little harder to make sure that you, it can't be gamed. It's possible. I mean, it's it's not that hard um, to 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 put in some checks and balances as a company to make sure that people aren't um, juicing the score. Yeah, I, I would just echo that. I would say remember its purpose is to inform, not to flatter. And if you try and make it a flattering metric, you're going to do everything you can to. Um, to enhance it, shall we say, uh, if you if you want the cold hard truth, then treat it that way because that's your best chance of of, of, uh, of fixing something and, and, and making things better. Mm, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and I like that that the correlation with your other you know performance metrics. This is a great leading metric, and then you know looking at your your other metrics. You know the sales, the revenue, the the um, margins that's going to help you then see if this is really you know is your number going one way and your business is going another <laughs> um so we really do take your feedback uh and and try to incorporate it in any way so if you have any feedback for us we would love to hear it uh, if you uh, like what you're hearing you can go to the accidentalmarketer.com and uh and click on the podcast button or on iTunes, uh, we have a podcast page there. So we look forward to, uh, to talking to you in the future. Thank you. <laughs>